0: General Vagon has called, the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to the Lead for Podcast, a podcast covering Blood Red Skies, a game of World War II aerial combat. Welcome back to the Lead for Podcast. We're back tonight to talk about what's new with Blood Red Skies, talk about some of the games we've played. Talk about what our plans are for the rest of the year, Chris. How you doing? It's good to have you back on the podcast.
1: So, dude, I'm digging out of school, and I'm just glad to be
0: here with you guys tonight, talking about something other than academic BS. Well, that sounds like your problem, Brett. Good to have you on. It was good to see you last weekend playing up at Coastal Con. How you doing? I'm doing great. You recovered time. from the long weekend? Yeah, it was fun.
2: Yeah, had a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good uh, one-day convention, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I was
1: extremely jealous seeing those pictures online. I was like, oh my God, they're pushing airplanes around as I'm sitting here typing it, it a research horrible. paper.
0: It was terrible. It was no fun. <laughs> you wouldn't have enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, I'm totally lying. Well, let's talk about what's new, what we've seen drop in the last few days. So we've seen a 3D rendering of the Hellcat out there. Now, there's been lots of questions out there. People have said, hey, what are the panel lines going to look like? Uh, people already nitpicking the 3D rendering, uh, realizing that they're looking at a really zoomed-in picture of what's going to be a 1-200 scale model. Uh, but I think it looks pretty good. Uh, Chris, what do you think? It sounds like we've inherited some rivet counters from some other games. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. We, they're we,
1: trashing that. Dude, all I know there is... May have is- those panel lines were gorgeous. Yeah, those, there may need if, to be
0: some culling in the ready room here
1: if, after
0: a bit if there's too <laughs> oh many more rivet God. counters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were like judging the freaking angle of the heads inside the freaking cowling. I'm like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, don't let – I want to like, strangle Too you. much detail. Too much detail. Oh my God so but anyway it's just going to be a blob of resin you realize that right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's made
0: out of resin it's better than the plastic ones are going to be but it's a little plastic airplane yeah no
1: i was i was just honestly i was just glad to see panel lines it was a gorgeous model um i don't know what we're going to get the good thing is now that we're getting a 3d render and, and eventually we're going to we're going to see a model that comes from a 3d rendering which is one of the first times they've actually put one up we're going to see Exactly how that's going to translate to later resin releases. I'm really two thumbs up praying that freaking Warlord gets this
0: 100% right. Yeah, you know, it was interesting to talk to a couple of the guys that are Warlord insiders about how compartmentalized uh, the operation is and to, to kind of get an insight on how sometimes feedback doesn't make it back to the modelers or how things that are built into the design phase don't make it into the modeling phase so you know i'll I'll really be curious to see how those turn out but you know what i i get it hellcat iconic aircraft i should be really super excited even though i'm really trying not to spare any brain cells about pacific theater stuff but you know what i'm excited about oh yeah the bottle that nobody else saw the f9 panther so i think that one looks kick-ass and it's also because well you know what i like a little korea gaming here chris brett what'd you guys think I thought the renders looked good. I mean, I think I heard somebody say something about
2: panel lines being too deep. Man, I, give me some deep t- panel lines. I, I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I think the panel lines can't be too deep at this scale because you're gonna fill them with freaking a wash anyway, and they're gonna end up looking
0: almost flat. Well, so, so panel lines so are I a good thing. I will say, at scale. Uh, Chris, Brett, have either of you done P51 Mustangs? The plastic P51s. They have.
2: Now the closest I've come is the uh, Bf one tens, the plastic yeah. Bf one tens. I Those think if lines. there's
0: a model that has two deep a panel lines, it is the P fifty one Mustang models because they're really super exaggerated. But you know what? You know, as Brett and I talked about this last weekend, maybe that's an opportunity not to use the true black. Uh, flurry wash, use kind of the dark earth or the dark mud, whatever it's called. Yep. Um, use one of those that's a little bit softer. Uh, and we'll just have to see. And once again, the nice thing about flurry wash is if you're a crappy modeler like me, you can just wipe it all off and start all over uh, if you find that you got the wrong color or you, uh, you used it uh, improperly. Yeah, but you water know, back... soluble stuff is just great. Yeah, it, make, it makes life easy. But you know, back to, to talking about looking at an F9F Panther. So jet fighter bombers this is going to kind of be interesting um I, I haven't played any ground attack missions using airstrike and jets we'll have to see how it goes uh i'm cautiously optimistic that these uh, new fighter bombers won't unbalance the mig alley rules um, but i think it's something we'll probably have to play with um i don't know maybe adepticon uh, try some of the stuff up there because once you can zoom across the board out distance the flak and then uh then drop ordinance right on the target i think it's going to make uh, defending against that a little bit more interesting but then again yeah if you got mig-15s we'll see how it goes and speaking of air to ground i got my copy of airstrike brett how'd you like your copy
2: man it looks great i was um you know had the privilege to see some stuff prior to production and uh most everything
0: i saw made it into the final copy it looks great yeah, I did have to laugh at a few of the typos, but but more importantly, I chuckled when I got to the card section, and it was even called out in there, hey, would have loved to give you guys a lot more cards, but we basically ran out of space. Uh, so they gave us what they thought were some of the newest cards, some of the more important ones to work with, um, because really having access to the theater cards and the doctrine cards, uh, and to some of the, uh, the ACE skills that are, that are unique. Those are the things that are going to be good, that are going to allow players to to have a more flexible game.
1: Yeah. It just gives us, you know, especially with us building our own ACEs and stuff like that, it it just gives you the ability to do that on the fly. So it just throws it out there for you.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like the ACE cards really made it in, but on those, um, Those Doctrine and theater cards, I saw some things that got my attention because there were ones I wasn't familiar with It made me think about some of the things we're working on for Malta and for Stalingrad. Like, oh man, we should definitely use that. It's not one I've seen before. Maybe it's just because I just haven't seen it before. But now that I'm looking at it in the book, in the deck that's in the book, I'm seeing things like, um, I think it was supply shortages and and, uh, battle fatigue. I don't
0: remember those, and those could play in nicely for some of the things we're doing. Well, that's probably because you didn't pick up any of the expansion packs, which ironically enough was kind of the, one of the complaints that a lot of people had was some of these specific Theater and Doctrine cards were only in the expansion packs. Uh, and now at least with rolling it out there in Airstrike, you have an opportunity to see some of those cards and to, to have the data for those cards, make a copy if you need to, to use in in your deck, um, which I, I think is, a, is an okay temporary solution. I really want to see Warlord go out there and kind of release a compilation, whether it's a you know a theater specific compilation or a, a tournament specific compilation, something where they start putting these cards out there, so you can go buy and get all those extra cards that that you don't need to collect the expansions for the Lufwa, for expansions for the RAF, uh, just to get those. I think that would be good.
1: Yeah, that was that was one neat thing that Dust did when um, a couple of years ago when they realigned the game was they just they said, hey, every card that's allied, every card that's accessed, we're just going to put them in a box. And here they are, every card we've ever done. And it would be nice to see Warlord do something like that.
0: And I I think it's something that would sell. Yeah, yeah. I I think it would. You know, and I think that they're at least, they're happy to put the information out there. I'm sure it comes down to production times, production values. But I'll say, as as we found out, ordering some cards for Adepticon, uh, it's actually a pretty quick turn to get some of this stuff done overseas and shipped over here. Uh, I probably have to put hand sanitizer all over the uh, plastic wrap sets of uh, aircraft cards that we had printed up. Uh, get rid of the coronavirus, but yeah. uh, <laughs> hopefully they show up
1: to the printing press. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: order. <you're> <laughs> well, the good thing is I got the aircraft cards. We may do another batch of those to get them exactly right, um, but they but they look pretty darn good. And hopefully the ace cards will be uh, ordered here and uh, make it there in time for Adepticon, along with all the other crazy stuff we're trying to get done for Adepticon. So, uh, if you're coming out to see us at Adepticon. Let's come out and have a good time. Let's play some uh, different scenarios. Friday night will be the big Malta battle. We'll definitely uh, have about as many airplanes we can throw on the table, whether it be uh, RA aircraft, RAF aircraft, Luftwaffe aircraft. Um, They'll all be out there. Uh, And then throughout the rest of the weekend, if you want to come out, play some pickup games, that's great. Uh, If you want to try a specific uh, type of scenario, whether it be MIG Alley, whether it be... Uh, World War II in a specific theater, that's great. We'll also have some Stalingrad-specific stuff to kind of promo Warlord Stalingrad releases, which... I'm personally trying not to pick up another uh, game system and start bolt action. Oh uh, dude, that I was that's gonna say, Sarissa. I think, Chris, I think you already failed on that oh one. Oh my god,
1: that's Sarissa terrain that comes the factory set for Stalingrad. Oh my god, it's just and I think I I haven't been able to spend a lot of time on it, but it looks like they got a Vasily Zaitsev like limited model that's going to be in with the Stalingrad campaign book when you buy the big block. Yeah, John Russell might be getting some money for me when I go to Adepticon. I've been trying to avoid getting into another system, but I've just been, I needed to build something without having to paint something just because school's been so hectic lately. And sometimes I just want to build a plastic model and, and, and say, okay, I'll paint that later. And I got hooked on bold actions tanks because they're just so damn cheap. I mean,
0: 20 20- School's been hectic. I had to oh take some God. photos. It was horrible. <laughs> yes. I had to talk about the photos I took. I like trees. I like still life. Yes. Sorry. In costumes. Me,
1: Coming from another photographer, I just I just want to punch you in the stomach considering the Fuck conversation I last shoot night. Was, airplanes. Hey, I shoot I... weapons of war. <laughs> So, piss off! Well, everything I've been doing has been freaking armor related lately, okay, so it's well, been pretty right. freaking cool. So I got a positive reception. You, you know, it was funny because I got a, I got a, I was sitting there defending my thesis the other night with academics, and I actually had somebody like an a, a, an, an MFA, you know, a master in freaking fine art, who was debating the way freaking warfare went from the napoleonic era of this gorgeous pageantry among competence to this grimy i i was blown away that this this, this woman who has an mfa had that much knowledge and i mean that might sound a little sexist but it was just i i actually i i did, i was like shocked for a minute that we were Maybe having she the paints discussion napoleonic
0: like, figures and it's a closet you know, grognard I,
1: I, I might ask her
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. is she going to correct you on the color of prussian blue <laughs> but yeah I was i was shocked what else are we working on? I know you guys have been doing a lot of painting. I've done zero painting. Yeah. Well, I'm failing miserably, but that's what the next couple of weeks are for. Uh, Chris, what have you been working on?
1: The SM 79s are completely done. In fact, they're varnished and they're sitting right next to me and they, they came out really good. I'm glad I had, you know, Kevin did some, some freaking gorgeous decals for me for a squadron that he didn't have. It's up there online. Now, if you see these airplanes that are con and you see them online and you want those decals, guess what? You can get those decals from Kevin. Um, he, I I've, I've got my 202s done except for the varnish and the 200s are prime. So when you come to Adepticon, if you come to Adepticon, you're going to have actual gorgeous Italian airplanes out there to move around the board. They're going to be open to the public. They're not my airplanes. They're they're because you know, we we've, we've invested in this doing this whole Malta thing. I wanted people to push around actual Italian airplanes and they're they're coming out really good. So that's that's been the big focus. Other than that, you know, I I've, I've had some little breaks in time and that's when I've been playing with warlord tanks and I've just been building various tanks so other than that
0: that's that's basically what I've been doing if you come to Adepticon and you want to push RAF aircraft around you're going to find some crappily painted poorly decaled airplanes congratulations that's no that's okay me and
1: be. me and me and me and Brett will bring our RAFs if we yeah. <laughs>
0: You don't have any
1: RAF stuff, liars.
0: No, I do. I've got. I think think Brett gave me his starter set models. I've got the
1: starter set box painted, and I've got Sailor Milan done, and I will bring those with me. I mean, I know Sailor (laughs) Milan wasn't at Malta, um, but but we'll we'll have some pretty spitfires at least. Push across. Oh, that's right.
2: You do have some pretty spitfires. I was telling Doug, I was thinking, you know, in, in light of how everything looked on the table when we were at Coastal Con, I was like, man, you know, maybe for next Adepticon, I'll just have. All the forces like just if I maybe just have a complete collection for everything for the next multi-table but I haven't done the first Spitfire I don't have any of the, any of the RAF stuff but when it comes to uh, the Luftwaffe stuff I think I have pretty much uh, mostly everything uh, ready to go for that uh, there's a couple little odds and ends that I kind of just want to put on but I'm not gonna get to those so right now I, I just finished a batch of um, 109s for the multi-table and I'm starting now on some Ju87s for Stalingrad. They're going to be kind of cool. I'm going to do do them in a, like a white uh, whitewash scheme. And um, I just I'm I actually I just cleaned them last night, and I got to start assembling them and get going on those guys. But that will that may be the last batch I get done before we ship out, right?
1: Yep, dude. Those 52s you did were insane. So I was it's the attention to detail you put into a cargo airplane. I was just like,
0: oh my god. Brett's oh, oh a no no you here. should have heard him bitching you know i complimented him i'm like hey man brett those ju-52s look awesome man those were awesome he's like oh no man the green didn't really turn out it kind of sucks i think i may repaint it and i'm like i'm just gonna punch you in the face right here i would be happy to have a model that looked half as good
1: yeah you're, you're talking about a guy that paints ultramarines and he's like you know i should have put like eight shades of gold in the eagle on the guy's chest but i went with seven and i feel like i cheated myself <laughs>
0: I, I'm out of space marine jokes to make, so I'm just going to let Brett slide on that it, one. it is my cross to bear, I suppose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes it's good to be a perfectionist, and your work just looks gorgeous
0: because you are. Okay, well, enough you guys fluffing each other about how great your models look. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about some gaming. You yeah, know We definitely wouldn't
1: fluff do. you about your models. <laughs>
0: Nobody asked you back in your box
1: photographer. boy. I I get now into my head. I've got, I've got Doug with a Crayola.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's about how it is. Uh, Well, (sighs) while you guys were hobbying, sitting in your basement, playing with yourselves, I mean painting by yourselves. You were getting coronavirus in Malaysia. (laughs) Well, I was getting the coronavirus, which is (laughs) awesome. (laughs) No, I'm good. Uh, But I did get a chance to uh, go to Singapore and Malaysia for a couple weeks. Um, Had a really good time in Singapore meeting the crew over at Game State, uh, and that was a really good group to sit down and chat with. I wish I had more time uh, to come back to Singapore, spend some time actually gaming rather than just kind of shooting the breeze about blood red skies, taking a look at their models they had painted up from their Demo set, and thankfully they've got a store uh, demo kit there. So if anybody in Singapore wants to uh, wants to go play some Blood Red Skies, the team over at Game State, I know there's a couple other uh, players out there in Singapore that are playing. Uh, they're really eager to get started. They've got an entire rack full of Warlord stuff, and if uh, if you don't see it, they can order it. Didn't you say those guys are really high on the um, the zeros? They like they like those models. Well, so it was funny. They, they liked the zeros, but they hadn't painted any zeros. And so, um, it was, it was kind of funny. We were talking about that. We we're talking about, um, you know, what to play for, you know, Southeast Asia, Malay Peninsula kind of, uh, kind of actions. Cause once again, my least favorite airplane Uh, Makes its debut out there, the Buffalo. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) one of these days when Warlord releases Buffaloes, I can actually give a crap about modeling some of that. But no, there's there's some really cool history and some cool scenarios that would involve that uh, and some of the other um, early aircraft out there. But the problem is, um, right now, the stuff that's kind of modeled for the Japanese is you get uh, some early war zeros, and it's all late war fighters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see with the Japanese expansion that's come out and then some of the Pacific expansions that come out, um, how that works for at least all my friends in uh, in the Singapore Asia area uh, what scenarios they want to do and what they want to play but I'll tell you um, game state has some gorgeous models just not even looking at their blood red sky stuff but the rest of all the things they had and of course there was aeronautical Imperialis that I had to drool over there um, but they've got some great models in the case they got lots of terrain lots of places to play you know half uh, half the store there was tables the other half was tons of models. Um, so it was really it was a cool time to get to hang out with them uh, and kind of meet the, uh, the founder uh, of the whole store out there and, and talk to her and, and figure out how, how they wanted to, to do things. But then I rolled over to Malaysia uh, and kind of went back to my usual haunt over there, RNG Games, um, and, uh, and worked with them a little, played some demo games of Blood Red Skies. And of course, they uh, got me started playing X Wing, which uh, may be another uh, significant expense for me here shortly. Uh, but that was a good time because it was a great chance to sit down and introduce Blood Red Skies to some players that uh, weren't historical gamers, that weren't uh, necessarily bolt action aficionados. People coming from that uh, that kind of background. Um, and hey, that, you know, X Wing comes pre painted. Yeah, so perfect for so, you, man. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It's perfect for me. But I have to say that that was. The Malaysia crowd's biggest complaint about blood red skies is it wasn't pre painted. Because of course, you mm. know, I walk in and they've got all this select huge selection of X wing stuff. But that being said. Uh, I was talking to the guy. I said, yeah, you know, hey, here's the models. They're all unpainted. They're like, that's fine. We'll just put them out on the paint bench here, and they're going to get painted within the next week or two. So <laughs> no doubt with the number of guys that come in there, they've got a great uh, painting setup uh, for a couple tables in there just to do some painting on. and They had a lot of good work going on there. So um, it was it was pretty cool. And you, know, while I was you, know, there- you know,
1: playing with painted models is like a half a step to the right of playing card games, right?
0: You're so all just, of your you magic, magic deck. So, you know, you're the one who suddenly said, I don't, re- I've realized there's gaming beyond modeling, you know, so that's, that's all you now. <laughs> okay. Did you got to buy a starter it. deck or did you have to buy the expansion packs for magic too?
1: So oh, no, you, believe it or not, there's there's so many of those guys on welfare now that you can actually get magic cards pretty you get magic cheap. Magic cards for <laughs> cheap. <laughs> you, you can get like a box of them for like five dollars so, a day.
0: So that was the other funny part talking to the crowded RNG game. So we we were talking about magic and we we're laughing about the the difference between uh, collectible card games and um, board games that have a collectible card factor to them, like X Wing One O had, where you had to buy certain. Vehicles and certain ships to get certain cards, and so it was kind of a an acquisition game. uh And uh, one of the guys, I think it was uh, Alex, looked at me and goes, "You know, there's people who actually think they're making money by doing all these collectible cards and by holding on to certain specific cards for a long time." And he goes, "And and those people, they do that more than playing the game." And I'm like. Yeah, I can't even identify with that. He's like me too, either. I think they're pretty stupid. So, <laughs> so it was pretty pretty cool to to talk to them about the the uh, undercurrents in gaming. Uh, they're on the, literally the exact opposite side of the world from where I normally am, uh, exactly uh, twelve hours away over there in uh, Malaysia and Singapore. Um, but it was it was a good time. And then you know, basically, I got to crush myself, come back from those flights, have Brett pick me up at the airport, and the next morning go and do Coastal Con. So, how many hours was it? Almost 10 hours, 11 hours straight of uh, demo games the, there, Brett. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I was surprised how fast the time went by. I think, you know, we we had a little bit of a lull and like, oh, let's grab some lunch. We came back and next thing I was like, hey, I'm kind of hungry. And I looked down, it's like 9 o'clock, 9.30
0: at night. Yeah, it was, it, there was uh, definitely a, uh, a continuous element there. I was pretty happy uh, how many people came by that were looking to play demo games, people that were um, interested in just talking about Blood Red Skies, finding out about it. And obviously it helped having you know a bunch of painted models out there on the table kind of as our draw to get people to come in. Because uh, even when we weren't playing demo games, I know Brett and I were play testing some things, pushing some models around, trying uh, a couple different rule sets and rules tweaks. Uh, so at least there was always action going on there. And plus it was great to have Eric... Uh, our Warlord distributor right there uh, to be able to talk about what was going on with the Warlord, what were the latest uh, releases, um, and uh, and to kind of see what he had on his shelves.
2: It was a busy day. I mean, we never really uh, stopped uh, pushing models around. I mean, even the few times we're like, "Oh, let's let's do a little play testing," we never got too far along in that before somebody walked up like, "Hey, this is cool. What do you guys got?" And then we, you know, well, come on, jump in,
0: kind of thing. Yeah, that, that actually was a little frustrating for me because I don't think we ever got uh, as far as I wanted to in some of the playtesting. It uh, it answered a few questions we had about some things, but uh, it, it was kind of funny because, sure enough, about where we'd get to where it got interesting, someone would walk up and go, hey, this is Blood Red Skies. You guys are doing demo games, right? Yep, but let me clear off all this MIG Alley stuff. <laughs> let me bring back out the other stuff. Uh, so. There were some
2: sharp characters that came up and played. I think some of the guys had a lot of... Uh, a lot of reps under their belt with uh, X-Wing, I guess, because I noticed some guys that said they'd never played before. We were right away picking it up and, and were quite good at, you know, figuring out several moves ahead, which is something I still don't even come close to doing.
0: <laughs> so, so I was going to joke and say, so you mean that we had people that showed up that were better than you, Brett? Oh, oh yeah, without saying. question, <laughs> without question.
2: I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably good at getting the uh, the order of, you know, the steps of what you do, right? Well, it's because you've
0: actually read the rules, unlike Chris. Chris, you know, have you you read the rules yet? Six months in, eight months in, or are we good yet? I read them eight months ago. Um,
1: (laughs) I think I've played three games, so it's going to be
0: painful. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a study moment on the way over to Adepticon. We're Uh, just going to read the rules out loud to Chris. (laughs) Okay, Brett's going to drive then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's
2: okay, Chris. There There were several times where, you know, I was like, I thought I was doing a great job of thinking a few steps steps ahead and realize, oh, I'm shooting at my own aircraft, you know, or thinking I'm going to, <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, I've, I've got this great idea and then I'm trying to make shots on an aircraft that I can't shoot at. Cause you know, the advantage state is you know, higher than mine or, you know, it's, that, that happened a few times too. So <laughs> I, I still got a, a, a many reps to get close to uh, actually knowing what I'm doing here.
1: No, but what? nobody can get to the Gragnar level of Doug. Yeah, <laughs> Doug, Doug's one sorry. of those guys that can, I mean, you can talk about, Hey, you, you remember freaking, um, Raw Partha's game back in '79. And Doug's like, "Yeah, the armor class worked like this." And then-
0: <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> like, dude, oh, we God. had that moment because because Brett and I were set up right next to kind of the flea market. And so you want to talk about the grog and me coming out. I'm sure Brett was like, what the heck is Doug talking about? I'm over there going through GHQ, Micronauts, you know, ships and all kinds of other stuff. And, hey, there's an old Ralph Partha figure in there. I think it was like a Ralph Partha Zulu or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was funny. So I was kind of having those uh, those flashbacks, uh, going through stuff at Coastal Con, which was pretty good. But, you know, that. The the team of guys we had, I, th- I think, were great. Uh, Mac, the guy that put on Coastal Con, uh, really did a good job for for the first year, not knowing what we we're going to get going out the door. I think we had somewhere between guesses were like about 120, 130 people based on uh, tickets and everything, um, and and it was a wide variety. I mean, there was plenty people that were playing role playing games. There were people that were just pure board games like Settlers, things like that. Um, there was a few 40k players, and then a, a bunch of indie gamers. Uh, and there's a decent bolt action crowd. So it was a good chance uh, to kind of get a, a really diverse crowd uh, there to uh, to play some games uh, and see what everyone else was doing. I mean, I, I kind of felt frustrated. I allowed myself to be pinned at the table there. I didn't get to go over and see the big Stalingrad granary. Uh, Brett, did you go take a look at that?
2: Yeah, I checked it out. I, I don't recall the guy's name or the name of his game, but he was an indie designer that made a game based on, you know, at least a a portion of the battle of Stalingrad and he had that whole uh, train depot and the train station and the granary and stuff recreated and in, in probably 28 millimeter scale on a, on a big table. And he was doing demo games. It, you know, I'm not sure what models he was using. Maybe they were bolt action models or something, but it was a, uh, it was pretty cool, pretty sophisticated. And his terrain was pretty awesome. I noticed that uh, like the, the factory building, he could take apart so that you could actually, you know, play the fight, Floor by floor, just you just remove yeah. portions of the building to do that. So it looked pretty pretty cool. It was a it was definitely you'd see it across the room and catch your eye because it's pretty fantastic the level of detail in his terrain and stuff that he had set up over there.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see that in the couple of days before Coastal Con uh, when he posted that up and to see the level of detail that went into the terrain. I kind of kicked myself for not breaking away from the table, but uh, uh, it would have been cool to go over and see. And then obviously a couple other guys were were playing a variety of different games. Twisted, um, a couple other uh, miniatures based games. So there's there's a lot of other cool stuff that was going on. And, and like we said, a, a bunch of indie demos. So cool. I oh, thought I saw some good. Gaslands going or something. Yeah, over there. I, yeah I don't there there know was, the game, but I recognize. There was it when Gaslands, I saw it. and there's another indie developer. I wish I could remember that that has basically a, a death race kind of game uh, that I think uses a smaller board than than Gaslands. Um, but it seemed like there's a lot of people doing some pretty cool stuff that, you know, once again, it's, it's always fun to be more of the spectator than the uh, demo game guy and just get get to roam around. Um, hopefully at Adepticon, we won't totally get pinned to our tables there. <laughs> of course, it might be good for my checkbook to not get a chance to wander through the, uh, the vendor aisles. Uh, maybe I'll just go ahead and write a check to John at the very beginning of it and just say, hey, throw me some Warlord stuff. <laughs> Save me the pain. Okay, so we've talked a lot about what we did the last couple weeks uh, game wise, things we've seen, uh, a lot of the questions have come up about, hey, what are you guys doing after Adepticon? Uh, and to be quite frank, we don't know, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> but a couple conventions have been kind of thrown our way. Uh, people have mentioned Crucible down in Orlando in the fall. Uh, and they've also mentioned uh, up in Columbia, South Carolina at uh, the Soda City uh, Comic-Con, there's also a big bolt action uh, scene up there for that. So we may do a couple of those, we may find a couple other, uh, other events to go to, uh, but uh, our schedule is wide open. So if there's somewhere you'd like to have Blood Red Skies set up, uh, somewhere you'd like us to have to do some demo games, you know, let us know, uh, because uh, I'm sure Chris will find some excuse why his schooling is too hard and he can't take time off. Uh, but if it's in the southeast, if it's an event that's nearby, Brett and I could always go. Chris, uh, anything that you've seen up your way you want to do Blood Red Skies at?
1: So you know, I'm I'm looking forward to Michigan GT again this year. So I think um, John Russell was able to get a lot of guys to the table, and I think given Adepticon is so close to the the, the, the crowd that Michigan GT it pulls in so many of those guys. I'm getting a lot of feelers from people that are like, "Hey man, I, I'm really interested in getting started in this." So I'm hoping that maybe we can make a push this year at Michigan GT to to have a dedicated
0: Blood Red Skies table going the entire time. So what you're saying is you're getting felt up by a lot of people who want to find out about Blood Red Skies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah yep. be our slut sell blood red skies like right, so hey, right as now. long
1: as john russell eventually puts us on the payroll
0: i'm all good with <laughs> <laughs> well so so i felt like brett and i you know at, at least uh we we earned a little appreciation from warlord because uh we took them all the way down to only one starter set left uh there at uh at coastal cod so hopefully hopefully we were worth the effort that they put we, forward we need to start attacks. talking to john about commission structure <laughs> yeah <laughs> mine's easy as long as long as it's resin i'm happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i could figure it all out um but you know, even if we can just pay
1: for a habit you know it's just kind of like you know, if you're pushing the crack to a couple people we'll give you a couple
0: hits for free <laughs> yeah exactly i need a few hits of my own specifically p40s and p47s which which i laugh about because everybody's already got theirs started to paint them and i'm just like damn it, why didn't I order them? And then I realize I have no use for either of those at Adepticon and need to finish my RAF stuff. So glad I didn't order them. Really frustrated. And I hate all of you people there in the ready room who are already posting your painted pictures. Cause yeah, I won't get them for another the three months or so. But I think right.
2: from a hobby standpoint, I'm going to polish off what's left on the Malta, which I don't think I have too much left on Malta. I might have like four airplanes I really want to paint for Malta that I may not get done before we leave. Yeah, because there's uh, only
0: like four planes in the whole theater you haven't painted already that, for that's Malta. Right. So. That's right. And that's just
2: Luftwaffe. <laughs> so I think maybe what I'll do after that is, uh, you know, depending on what's dropping, I'll, I'll probably be on little side missions to get some of that stuff done. But maybe in between whatever's, you know, whatever the hot donut now is, I may uh, plug in some uh, allied stuff from all you know, just keep he, plugging here's away here's the idea
0: it's it's called the pacific theater <laughs> get on board yep. for the big win because otherwise already got, chris I've already and i are gonna Betty's get swapped. sitting
1: on the table right now so so the Bettys um are are they've got the base coats on them i've got one that's got decals on it um they're they're a little bit bigger model than i've worked with a whole lot with blood Skies. guys i've got my catalina painted I've got Hellcats and um, Wildcats already painted, so two squadrons of zero. So yeah, that's that's definitely the direction I'm headed in. Well, is, so is so here's the tough question trail. for that.
0: So so thinking Pacific and thinking Midway starter set, um, there better be some plastic or resin valves showing up here soon. I, I have a bad feeling they're going to be cardboard cutouts, um, but but. We at Lead Pursuit Podcast don't play with cardboard cutouts, so uh, somebody better be starting to paint up some uh, some dive bombers and some Cates. You know, I, I haven't looked at the Warlord Cates, uh, so I don't know if uh, if Aim has a better model out there right now. Um, but I think uh, I think we've got some work ahead of us if we want to at least get all that ready. And then, as I've said before, this is the second time I've mentioned in the same damn show. This I'm gonna have to paint buffalos. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right i'll paint my buffaloes for uh for midway there and yeah, then I'll do some some
1: dutch beard. dutch east indies freaking buffaloes so this
0: so something really I, obscure yeah well so so ironically enough butterworth uh the place that i go to to do some of my work in malaysia uh they flew buffaloes out of there and there's some interesting firsthand accounts of the the dog fights between the buffaloes and the japanese fighters uh, overhead the airfield and things like that, and it's it's always good to have some of my friends that are in the Royal Malaysian Air Force that you know feed me these uh, these stories and these firsthand accounts uh, from what happened there during World War II, because it's it's interesting to be in a country, and this is a this is for both um, Singapore and Malaysia, but to be part of a country that it wasn't their identity in World War II and it's so funny cuz i was talking to the crew over at game state about it and they're like yeah it's 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 kind of weird to be singaporean and to have had your city occupied but it really wasn't your city at war it was the british empire and so it's it's kind of funny uh, funny to talk to them about it. and they go it's it's a weird it's a, it's a weird mix of of dis, uh, what do i say kind of distant patriotism um, so, uh, that's going to be one of the interesting things, doing some of the scenarios and, and modeling some of the stuff for, uh, for that time period, um, because they're actually for, at least for the Malaysians, uh, there were two Malay brothers that, uh, went off, joined the RAF, uh, became well-known, uh, throughout, uh, their actions in World War II. And, and it's just kind of funny though, because once again, it's not, it's not their country's air force. They joined the RAF as part of the British empire. So, yeah, weird little historical things like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that whole that whole theater is just going to open up so much. That's it, it, There's just so much more potential there. I mean, we've explored it a little bit with Zeros and a little bit with the Wildcat Models being out and then having some AIM ones and coming up with some of our own rules. And just I, I've gotten sucked into the Pacific Theater just with reading. And I know that I can't wait to play Henderson Field, Savo Island, Tulagi, um, PBY Catalinas, and- Oh, oh you and mean all the and,
0: stuff that I was reading until I got sucked into this stupid Vietnam playtesting? Yeah. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, let's expand Blood Red Skies to Vietnam, right, as I was still trying to figure out World War Two. Nice. Yeah. So, I'm a little behind in my Pacific reading. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it... It, there's just some amazing books that are out there, there there's been I, I being a marine and being storied in what happened at henderson field and how that was kind of like the marines just being thrown out there put the flag up and just pray it doesn't get knocked over i, I just think that's just going to be so fascinating to tell that story and carriers getting sunk and their airplanes ending up there at henderson field because there was
0: nowhere to go land and now we're part of the marine corps well so it, it's just funny thing fun. i didn't realize about is you know we think of of the cactus air force there as being an all marine kind of affair and okay maybe a couple navy guys who diverted off the uh, off the carriers when they got left um, but there was actually a large Army Air Force contingent there, too. That,
1: oh, yeah. You know, they had those they, really crappy um, Era Cobra freaking exports that, yep. you know, these poor guys are, like, trying to fight Zeros. They have no oxygen bottles, and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, we can look at them, but we can't get up there to them. Yeah. And there's some there's some amazing <laughs> stories in um, – oh, God, which book was it? Oh. Thinking back now, it was Morning Star and uh, Midnight Sun, and th- where they talk about the army, you know, the the general that was in charge of the Army Air Corps at the time coming over there and basically just beating the crap out of his pilots and just insulting them in front of everybody because you guys aren't doing what the Marines are doing, you suck, and you're you're the most horrible pilots in the world. And they're like, you you gave us the worst most substandard aircraft we yeah. could be flying and you the russians lend exactly. <laughs> and then the marines come into their defense and saying no 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 no. these guys are doing these guys are flying the ground attack missions against the japanese in the jungle that that their airplanes built to fly and they're doing everything they can and yeah it's not getting the headlines because they're not you know smacking planes out of the air it's just it's fascinating to see that political dynamic between macarthur and you know, and, and the marines at the time and how that went back and forth and it's just when you start opening that can of worms, it's just going to be such a fun theater to play around in. And and the Japanese at the time, you know, the the battles between the Japanese Army and the Japanese Navy and them trying to establish authority and their their interactions with the Air Forces and the way they controlled things differently. It's just going to be fun. I mean, it's just a fascinating time period to play with. Yeah,
0: and I'm looking forward to that midway set. I mean, I'm I'm cautiously uh, optimistic. You know, we were talking about it at Coastal Con a little bit with Eric and, and a couple of the other guys that... I think it will help American players relate to blood red skies a little bit better. Um, because once again, most of us kind of look at it and go battle of Britain. What in the hell do I care about the battle of Britain? What you boys doing over there in Europe? I talk about the Pacific America. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that will help drag a lot more players in. Um, and I hope once again, the production quality is at least as good as the, uh, as the current box set, uh, if not a little bit better. Um, but I, I think the, the difficult part for some of the players is going to be it's it's not just Blood Red Skies 1.0 uh, with all fighter on fighter. I mean, Andy's done a good job. He's put, you know, carrier attack missions in there. So it'll have a little bit of airstrike. Uh, maybe it's biting off a whole lot for a starter set, but I think it'll be fun. You know, I, I think it's going
1: to be brilliant. I mean, if it's, it, it, you know, it, everything's going to be boiled down a little bit. You're going to be able to play multiple missions, and I think it's just going to give you the ability. It'll be a loose, loosey-goosey rule set a lot like Airstrike is. It'll be tight enough that it's a fun game to play, but loose enough that you can adapt it to a lot of different scenarios.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that will be the good thing is they will be kind of mirror scenarios. So it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, either be Japanese VALs, Japanese kates, or, you know, SBDs going against whatever uh, whatever target it is, whether you're U.S. or the Japanese. Uh, just kind of pick your attack planes of choice <laughs> and escort them with some fighters. Uh, and we'll see how uh, how all that works out. Well, You know, talking along those lines, there's there's been a lot of debate on the U.S. side, seeing The tournaments going on in the UK and a a discussion of what does a US tournament scene look like? Could we start one? Um, I don't know. Brett, what do you think after Coastal Con, after at least uh, doing a couple games there and some demos?
2: Yeah, I'm not ready for prime time on an actual tournament. I know that we could do some things. I think Eric was suggesting some kind of combination play with maybe some uh, bolt action type thing maybe something that affects a bolt action tournament i might be a little bit more down for something like that but i don't want to say no i'm just saying i'm i'm barely i need to get more reps in before i feel like i'm ready to like start uh orchestrating a tournament play at a convention but that's just my
0: thoughts on it see that that's when you cheat and you just go uh the judge says roll off (laughs) that's that's your judging right there so you don't actually have to make a call make the dice make your call for you Uh, Well, you know, I I think uh, we've seen a lot of the the goods that we'd like to have based on uh, coming from the heresy world and and a lot of the, what I will say, narrative style tournaments. And I'll be quite honest, if if I had to pick a way that I wanted tournaments to go, I would prefer it to be more like Zone Mortalis at um, Adepticon than a teed up 500 points kind of generic battlefield kind of world. Chris, have you thought about tournaments at all? You know, I'm just not a tournament player in
1: anything I do. I, mean, I think that one that lends the fact that I'm just I'm more of a painter than I ever have been a gamer. But at the same time, it's the reason why Horus Heresy has always been a draw to me is because while we're playing a history that exists in the future and it is supposed to be future history, it's loose enough that we can do different things, different star systems can fall, you can do whatever you want, traders can win this, and, it, and you know what it's telling, it, it goes along with it. It's still that narrative kind of gaming. And I think part of World War II, one of the magic parts of it is there was so much and material that were thrown at each other that I think we can build ourselves into kind of a narrative thing that expands into kind of tournament play. But when we say tournament, There's just so that word means so many things to so many people. If you go to the 40K room and you say tournament, it means one thing. If you go to the 30K room and say tournament, it means something completely different. So I think that that's more, you know, what we've kind of got to as a community flesh out. What does tournament mean to Blood Red Skies? For me, it kind of. It, 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 you know, it's hard to have a true tournament like you do in 40K or you have in, with Age of Sigmar or some of those other games where you build your 2000 point army. You show up at a, at, at a game and you guys play head to head and you can put just about any army against any army. But how weird would it be to have a tournament where somebody shows up with 500 points of Japanese playing against somebody that had 500 points of Japanese because it's a tournament. So th- there's that non-reality portion of it that. You've got to work out. You could work it kind of like the horse heresy scene was where at the beginning of the game you say, we've got five Axis players and we've got five, you know, allied players and we're going to do the tournament where we ladder you guys against each other and it makes sense. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty of Horus Heresy is you have that kind of traitor legions thing where sometimes you can't have alpha legion guys that are playing for the right, the good guys, or you can have a splinter section of the ultramarines that were on this other planet and turn traitor. So it, you don't have that to play with, with um, Blood Ridge guys. But I think we can do some things, but I think for us as a community, we've got to define what tournament means to us. And it might mean different things to different people, and we just got to figure out what that is. And what it comes down to is who's going to run the event and what does it mean to them. So um, in the end, that that's what it really comes down to: what does the community want, and what are the people that are willing to put on an event want?
2: Well, I was just thinking, uh, just from what I've seen from Sandstorm, I'm pretty impressed with that. But that's you know not really tournament; that's more. I don't know, what yeah, it's more campaign. Uh, can- that's, campaign, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but it has that bit of a fantasy element to it, where it, it has sort of some. Um, some guardrails like okay we're gonna, it's gonna be this theater and these factions and then after that it could just kind of go wherever based on outcomes of individual games that that seems super exciting to me I don't know why I think like Chris I, I'm not necessarily turned off by tournament but it's just not kind of really what I want to play right now maybe it'd be different if I was you know if I had Maybe exhausted all the depth and stuff for what we have with airstrike and even just the, the basic rules. But I'm not there yet. I haven't gotten to a point where I've played so many missions and it's kind of lost its shine. I I want to keep doing those things right now. But I, you know, if a turn if a tournament came to town, I'd probably, I'd probably throw in a bunch of 109s, uh, meta be damned, and just play because I like them and I like
0: the cards. But but uh, you know, I think I think that's the the thing that we have to answer at least as a U.S. tournament scene. And I'm going to draw the line U.S. Right. versus U.K. Uh, And I'm going to do that for a couple reasons. One, because in 40K, we've drawn the line U.S. versus Europe. And we say we do things differently. We have different meta. We have different tournament rules because we want different things. Uh, And the ways we do the tournaments are different. So so if I was going to get empowered for a day to be the dude that determines where U.S. uh, Blood Red Skies tournament went, I'd say it's not going to be this open-ended, you know, Battle to the top of the heap that the UK tournament scene, in its nascent form, uh, kind of is because, like you guys say, that it just doesn't make sense. Why am I playing Japanese versus Japanese? Why am I playing Luftwaffe versus Japanese? It just doesn't make sense. So we have to, I think, on the U.S. side, introduce some rails to this. Okay, got it. We're going to split Axis and Allies, and we know we're going to have some a historical, I guess, is the term I want to use, kind of setups where we may have. The Russians against the Japanese, and it may be different eras depending on the point values. But that's okay because in World War II, as big as it was, there were always uh, client air forces that worked for one side or the other that had older equipment. There were always, you know, uh, people that were a- across the wrong border, shall I say, uh, you know, doing their kind of operations. So I think there's there's a way to have Axis versus allies. And and is the goal to say who's the number one player out there. Well, well, I got it then. I guess that's finally what what a running victory point or a running uh, boom chit tally is amongst three, four, five uh, different uh, sessions of gaming, especially because Blood Red Skies is so quick. So in 40k, we take all day to play three games. Shoot, three games, you're done before lunch. In blood of Skies. so you have an ability to to put some more reps in play across some more people uh, change the brackets and, and I think build really break out amongst the axis and the allies who's the top tier of each and maybe then those guys finally go head-to-head to, head to determine who the best is and, and the last thing I'll say is I think I think we've really missed the boat letting people choose the entire deck because guess what generals didn't get to choose their theaters when they were out there they didn't get to choose the environment Um, In my book, having to play across different terrain and different tables is the one thing, the one and only thing I like out of ITC. I effing hate competitive 40K, but the fact that you have to take into account not just building your list against all the other jackasses that are going to show up across the table from you, but that each of the tables are very different in the amount of terrain, in the layout of the terrain, in the kind of terrain, whether it's truly line-of-sight blocking terrain for some of your larger vehicles... Um, So when I take that into Blood Red Skies, I go, why do people get to choose their theater cards? Why aren't the theater cards stuck on the table? And you bring, sure, your doctrine cards, or you choose a series of doctrine cards based on that table and the theoretical year that it's in. You know, give people a smaller pot to choose from to really force them to optimize what they've chosen as their army or their air force in this case uh, against their opponents. What do you guys think about that?
2: I think that's a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what you do in the, in, in the
1: pseudo tournament scene is you take some of the cards out of the hands of people to build in their decks and they're issued to them when they show up to certain tables. You know it's we do that kind of with with 30k you know we we put in individual rules and there are special table rules that add different things or you know in non-player characters that are on the board that give you certain abilities so you could almost do that with blood red skies too you know where it's it's table specific and you do take that out of their hands and and that that would give another element of gaming the game where you you've got to be set to take on all comers
0: yeah, and, and so, you know the funny thing is when you look at ITC, and I'm gonna get the numbers wrong here, I think in ITC there's three turns or three three games, five table options. So the odds of you hitting every table is zero because you're not going to. You're gonna get some subset of that table, and you can end up on the same table style twice. It isn't guaranteed that that you won't have that happen. So, um I, I think what we have to do, at least in my opinion, when we when we build this US scene is we say you know, we'll put some information out about what the table scenes are. So, you know, okay, I'm going to face an Arctic one. I'm going to face a tropical one. I'm going to, I'm going to have to balance, you know, what, what kind of aircraft I have and what I think the impacts of the environment and of of the different theaters uh, are going to be. I'm going to, I know I'm going to face one as the Germans where I've got home advantage and maybe I'll face one as the Allies, you know, where they've got home advantage. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different things we can do there. But if, if you keep people from choosing those cards, uh, for at least the the weather and the theater, um, I think it makes people react and actually really shows who's a, a better uh, air admiral, air general, whatever term you want to use for the better master of their squadron.
2: That's a good idea. It seems uh, the, the analogy about the the mission packs and the terrain in uh, 30K and 40K tournaments, I think that's a good analogy for this because like you said, you could, you could put some guardrails on it and you have to play up to whatever the,
0: whatever the environment is on that table. I like it. Yeah, and you can always make it more or less narrative. I mean, it's you, you can always add layers of narrative on top of you know, well-balanced table rules. Um, so I think that it gives you a chance to do something cool if you want to go the, the extra mile, or if you say, hey, let's just go have a tournament. We know there's there's five or six different options we're going to put out there for tables. Uh, everybody, everybody bring their 500-point list. Uh, and, and it also, see, the nice thing is by taking the theater cards away you don't have to worry about saying cards like numbers aren't allowed. You just don't have numbers on any one of your tables. <laughs> Brett, I know you had some points about that.
2: Well, could I I just want to know, if can I paint your gladiators for your first tournament?
0: I don't like you anymore. You're not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there will not be gladiators in the tournament, because thankfully it will only be sanctioned cards, not lead pursuit uh, playtest cards out there, so...
1: Well, you know, you know, when you're doing a tournament scene, you're doing a campaign scene too. What about coming up with, you know, our own cards? That are, I mean, you you were joking and teasing me the other night about the shitty logistics card. So, (laughs) (laughs) lazy logisticians.
0: So you know, throughout all armies and air services, there have been slackers in the logistics department that do nothing other than deliver chow random boot knives you live pretty good in afghanistan thank you very much (laughs) i was never short of white dwarf magazine let's put it that way (laughs) no you were at least at least i had chris to supply me with that well yeah so you know i think um the other thing to consider is that there's there's needs to stay in blood red skies a, a wide variety of game styles out there Um, we don't want to become a all tournament or all narrative kind of, uh, kind of community because I think we want the competition, especially in the United States, the competition drives model sales. And we know that we also know, thankfully, Warlord is not going to be games workshop. They're not going to change the rules every other week with an FAQ to make you go buy more models. That's a good thing. Uh, but it means that at least on the tournament side, we're going to have to drive people to to want to bring the best list they can within the constraints of not being the perfect X-Wing deck builder, I guess, as I would say, uh, where, you, where you've kind of math hammered out the best combination of your cards. Because there's going to be things that you have to respond yeah, to.
1: That, that's, that's also a concern with us, too, because unlike 30K and unlike a lot of other games, you have basically what, what I would call a compressed technological timeline. So the the advances in aircraft from in one year were so stellar that there was constantly this chess game being played. And it, that's going to be have to be something that's figured out in tournament scene, too. You know, it you, you can't show up and play Brewster Buffaloes against freaking 109Gs and expect anything but death to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, and, and that's so that's where I need to play a few more of the swarm lists and try really crappy low point airplanes with crappy pilots. Um, and see how you constrain the swarm. Um, so I, I've I kind of thought sarcastically as I was drinking beers the other night. I'm like, um, you know, th- maybe it's always the uh, the judges uh, tell everybody bring extra airplanes, bring two more airplanes than your list. And if your opponent brings a swarm of crappy airplanes, I'm giving you the numbers card, and you just got two more airplanes. <laughs> So maybe that's how you punish that out of people. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot that, that needs to be done with it. I know that we've had a, a number of people approach us and say, hey, we'd like to start doing tournaments here in the U.S. I know the uh, organizers of Coastal Con have said, hey, we'd like to do a, a uh, South Carolina, uh, Georgia kind of blood red skies uh, tournament up here. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I, I think that a little bit of thought needs to go into it rather than just copying what the, uh, what the UK and Euro team is doing. Um, because it's okay to have a different tournament scene. I mean, that's the that's the other point. You know, it's not. I, I don't want to act like I don't want to sound like I'm I'm judging those guys. Um, but it's just that I want something different out of the tournament scene than I think what we've seen in the last uh, year with their tournaments. Um, especially because I don't want Bolton Paul Defiance. And, and you don't those. want to play Tau on Tau 262s versus 262s. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Although with 262s, I think you'd have, what, three models on the table, something like that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the <laughs> right here, but. but, you know, it's it It's one of those things that I think we'll, we'll each work our way through it um, and figure out what we want out of the tournament scene and, and try to build something to go from there. Well, guys, we spent a lot of time talking about a lot of different things tonight. Brett, any last-minute issues you wanted to cover? Anything you want to uh, tell the listeners before we check out?
2: i um, just, you know, thinking back on the airstrike book and how much I like it. One of the things that, uh, st- you know, struck me was the quality of the, um, of the target cards. Uh, you know, you have to photocopy them and everything, and, and to use them. But I, I liked it. We we talked about this early on. Like we weren't sure what the target cards were going to look like, and I think it it very readily supports that idea we had about, you know, using our own kind of 3d target markers on the actual table and then using the cards that come with the, with the, uh, airstrike rule set to, you know, do your, your bookkeeping, if you will, kind of right. like you would a squadron right. card. I like that. I mean, of course you could put them on the table. You could, you could put the cards right on the table to represent your target, but uh, I think the way they've done it kind of allows to, you know, you could do it, different ways depending on how you want to want your table to look so i like a lot of the cards and, and and just the quality of the overall uh you know it's nice to have all the rules kind of updated and all in one place it's, it's a nice nice thing if you don't have it i'd suggest you know make sure you get it it's it's a good have.
0: chris what do you want to say it, it,
1: the only thing i got to say is if you're making it to adepticon let it be you know let yourself get out there and talk to us on, on the different chat groups. Um, we're going to have a good show out there and I really hope we get some, some blood red skies guys that are, that, that listen to the podcast that'll lead pursuit guys and show up and, um, let's just have a good time. I think it's going to be a blast
0: there. You guys are going to see some amazing stuff. If you make your way there, you really are. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, other than the fact that I have to spend three days with you assholes. Uh, but other than that, I'm sure there's going to be some wonderful people at Adepticon that I get to hang out with and drink beer with. Bring lots, out of, with John. bring lots of hand sanitizer. Yeah, exactly. So, that's, Bring hand sanitizer and deodorant. We're not in the 40K room. You have to wear deodorant. Coronavirus on and Chicago nerds. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess their immune systems don't get a whole lot of work living in their mom's basement, but that's all right, you know. We might clean the out. gene pool up just having a Decticon out of wow, that, I think of that's it. That's <laughs> true. We might. We might actually help the tournament scene, you know, knock <laughs> off a couple of the weaker players. Oh, we're horrible people and we're all going to hell. But anyway, hey, you know what? That's the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Would you expect anything less out of us? Well, I just want to thank our listeners for uh, you know tuning in, paying attention to us, sending us uh, emails, sending us uh, messages on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, and if you have questions trying to figure out what we're doing for the rest of the year, please drop us a line on social media. Uh, drop us a line via the website. You can go on there. There's a comment card. You can you can send us an Astagram and go, stop making fun of people who play Space Marines. Space Marines are okay. Everybody gets to play their own army. Or we love the Brewster Buffalo. It's the best airplane of World War II. And I promise I'll put your email straight into the recycle bin. But anyway, this is a free country. You get to give your own opinion. <laughs> so please drop us a line. Uh, tell us what you think. Let us know what you want us to talk about as well. There's a lot of topics in Blood Red Skies we haven't hit We haven't talked about Normandy time frame. We haven't talked about Mosquitoes and some of the other multi-engine aircraft out there, P-38s. We really haven't done a lot on them. Let us know what you want to hear about. We'll talk about it, and we look forward to seeing everybody out and around uh, the different conventions, the different gaming events. Uh, And once again, I'll make the shameless plug, like Chris said. Come out to Adepticon. There'll be a ton of cool airplanes. You don't have to bring any of yours, but please feel free to bring them, and we'll all drink a lot of beer, have a good time, and play some Blood Red Skies. Thanks, everybody, for listening.